0: It's time to Make the Dough Rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe.
1: Welcome to another episode of Make the Dough Rise. Great to have you with us today, Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, serving you in the Lake Country and beyond. You can find Brian in his office from time to time there in Greensboro, Georgia, and you can find us online anytime. Livingworth.com. That's livingworth.com com. We are going to continue our conversation on today's show, uh, you know, kind of in the vein of what we talked about in the last episode, those tax traps uh, that we might find ourselves falling into. But in today's program, we're going to talk about something that's really specific to uh, probably almost all of us. And that's about the 401ks. We're going to really focus on traps and issues that might be existing in your 401k. So that's going to be really fun. However, we have a big update from Brian to get things going today on the pizza oven front of things.
0: You've got to start there. (laughs) There's no better place to start than with pizza.
1: Anybody who has listened to our show for a period of time has been able to kind of follow the saga of the the move that Brian and his family have uh, gone through over the past couple of months and the big pizza oven dilemma of how you move this big old thing to the new location and Boy, you know, we were almost going to have to change the name of the show, Brian, because we were
0: kind of pizza uh, It was a long, months. long yeah. four-month pizza drought at, at the Dough House. So uh, we, we,
1: were not, we were not living up to our name by any stretch of the <laughs> imagination. Was, yeah, but I times. have
0: heard through the grapevine that that may have changed recently. I'd been watching people make these beautiful Neapolitan-style pizzas in what was a, basically a 50-pound, portable, set-on-the-table-on-your-deck pizza oven. I assumed there was no way that was going to live up up to expectations, but the videos compelled me and the price point compelled me. So rather than spending thousands of dollars to re-landscape and get the old pizza oven set up, I spent $500 on this Gosney product. And we're going to talk today about optimal solutions and what I have stumbled onto. and, And granted, I went into it with low expectations, But I have stumbled into the optimal solution for my pizza cooking problems.
1: And you are, it sounds like you're a satisfied customer so far.
0: So here's the thing. You used to have to spend time chopping wood, building the fire, hours and hours getting the oven up to temperature and up to speed and you're constantly tending the fire and it was hours and hours of work and lots of smoke and and you know but the ambiance the crackle of the wood sort of echoing in the pizza oven and just that glow of the fire from from the pizza it made for great pizza theater but it came with a price tag of significant time and effort to to get it running and and, and maintain it this new oven is gas powered i Step out onto my grilling porch. I click it on and I can come back 20 minutes later and the pizza, the old pizza oven is ready to go. Slide the pizza on there and it comes out, I would say 95% as good as you would get from a wood-fired oven. Ooh. The only thing that's lacking is that little bit of smoke taste that you might get from an actual wood fire, but it was fan. Fantastic! I, I mean, I, I couldn't be more satisfied. And then the the simplicity and the energy and effort saved frees me up to do other things. So, for these couple of minor trade-offs, they're they mostly intangible. Uh, I've actually now got a solution that works for my busy lifestyle. So, good news on the uh, pizza front: we are back in business, and we can continue to make the dough rise.
1: Fantastic. Glad to hear it. A uh, little less romantic, I think, without all of that extra work that goes into it, but for a busy lifestyle um, to get still really good end results. I think that's uh, that's great to hear. So back to making lots of pizza and the uh, calorie count back on the increase in the uh, dough family. It yeah, like.
0: I think the uh, Peloton bike's going to have to be my next
1: purchase. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Got to uh, match the amount of pizzas with the amount of exercise going on. Fantastic. Well, let's dive into the conversation today, Brian. We're focusing on the 401k on today's show. We talked about those deadly dollars last time on the program, and and today really is a continuation of that idea. But now we're focusing on the 401k, which so many people obviously have uh, probably got a 401k, maybe two, depending on their work history and if they, you know, kind of kept one at an old employer and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And and largely the conventional wisdom is contribute to your 401ks. and A lot of people are getting employer matches and and those are all all fine things. But uh, like you said, last time we were talking about these deadly dollars or uh, intersections and interplays of different income sources in retirement. And so today I specifically want to dive into the intersection of IRA and 401k withdrawals and how that overlaps with Social Security and other types of dividend and capital gain income.
1: All right. So let's uh, walk down that path then a little bit. I mean, 401 k is, I think you, when you throw out this idea of, you know, is contributing to a 401k the best idea, a lot of people would have some immediate pushback just because it seems like the thing to do when it comes to planning for retirement.
0: Yeah. And, and so a couple of things on that, we'll, we'll talk about historical tax rates, but what caught my attention or made it across my radar recently was a research paper Actually conducted in June of 2001, and I've got to give full credit here, it was by the National Bureau of Economic Research, Jagadish Gokali, Lawrence Kotlikoff, and Todd Newman. There's a mouthful of, of names there, but I want to give these guys credit, because they put together a true academic research paper asking the question, does participating in a 401k raise your lifetime taxes? And so they're point was is that you know contributing to 401k's and tax deferred retirement accounts definitely lowers your current taxes but does it actually increase your lifetime taxes and what they're getting at is in this research report is what we were talking about last time where IRA distributions combined with how that impacts the taxability of your social security income and how capital gains and preferential dividend tax rates are very favorable today, putting money by default into a 401k may actually, especially if you're really maxing that out, may actually increase your lifetime tax bill. And that is a sneaky little secret, I think, that most people are almost entirely unaware of
1: may increase lifetime taxes. So the short-term benefit gets then countered by maybe a long-term decrease, a long-term pain point in a way.
0: Yeah, so, so if you save a few thousand dollars in, in taxes today, that may end up compounding in a few thousand dollars of additional taxes every year at certain ages or certain points in, in retirement. So when you tally that all up, uh, the 401k is not the, the slam dunk that it was. And, and part of the reason for that, Walter, is that when 401ks were set up, and obviously we're, you've got to factor in what your income bracket is today, what your income bracket might be in retirement. But just as a constant, if you took the, the mean income married couple with two children, those, those are the people that are still you know, potentially contributing you know, without question to their 401ks. Well, in 1980... When 401ks were were getting going, the marginal federal income tax bracket for that couple was 43%. Today, it's just 12%. So the immediate tax advantage has dropped precipitously. Also, at that same time, the capital gains tax rate was 28%. Now, for this couple, and this is the mean uh, income Uh, So it's probably in the $100,000, $110,000 range. Capital gains tax rate is zero today. So having investments outside of the IRA and and 401k may actually make a lot of sense. And then at the time, the likely retirement bracket was 15%. So if you were earning in the 43% bracket and you expected to retire in the 15% bracket, the math was a no-brainer. It clearly made sense to contribute to 401ks. Well, today, the likely retirement bra- bracket for today's retirees is 12%. So if you're earning at 12% or contributing and, and you're in the 12% marginal bracket and you're going to retire in the same bracket, that obvious advantage of, you know, earning and, and, Getting the tax deduction while you're in a higher bracket, withdrawing it out at a lower bracket, may not be the case at all. And if you've listened to any of the conversations we've had or, or information we've put out about the growing national debt, the demand on Social Security and Medicare and veterans and Medicaid programs that the government's facing, it's quite likely that tax rates could go higher. And we may be in a period now where income tax rates are lower And we could revert back to these 1980s rates as the government struggles to deal with the national debt, the deficit, and the demands on all of these programs that we've discussed.
1: So 401ks sound like they have a lot more trap doors than maybe people would expect in them.
0: And, and this has slowly evolved. So it's not like all of a sudden okay. this, this has been out there forever. But, uh, you know, I would argue for if this research report was done in 2001, you know, that was 19 years ago. Yeah. I was going to say it's almost
1: outdated, but it actually gives it reason to believe that it's— you know that it's got even more oomph behind it because it's been evolving for so long.
0: Oh, absolutely. yeah. The, the points that they were making in 2001 are actually more extreme or, or continued in the direction that that makes it, you know a, a valid a valid point. So then one other thing I want to point out, and you know maybe people are aware that last year the legislation was passed to extend. The required minimum distribution age to age 72. All right, if you're in your 50s, maybe even early 60s, you've heard of required minimum distributions or maybe not, but there is a date in the future where you are required to take distributions from your 401ks and, and IRAs because it used to be 70 and a half. They've pushed it to 72 now. And, and part of it was in response to the coronavirus and, and to give people a little more flexibility for taking IRA distributions. Part of it is the extended life expectancy that most people are having. They're, they're trying to make sure 401ks last and not compel people to, to take them out. At least that's what they claim. But the, um, the, the tax bill is just compounding in those 401ks and IRAs. Well, the talk on the street, and this is speculation, forward-looking, but it certainly has been proposed, is that the required minimum distribution age could increase to 75 by 2030. So, if you're in your 50s, early 60s, you're still contributing, by the time you're required to take required minimum distributions, I mean, that's that's 15, 20 years down the road. And, uh, you could have actually a compounding of your tax bill, or if done correctly, this certainly opens up some planning flexibility, social security claiming uh, flexibility, maybe early withdrawals from retirement accounts, or building up uh, preferential income sources that that are, t- are taxed differently. So on one hand, if, if done correctly, uh, this can actually compound to your benefit. If done incorrectly and you just continue to take the 401k as the default, uh, this can compound and, and come back to bite you down the road.
1: All right. So lots of trap doors around every corner, it sounds like. And you would think if we have had all of this time, Brian, to analyze these things and deal with them, we'd maybe have better plans in place. But it sounds to me like you're saying a lot of people are still kind of falling victim to these trapdoors, even many, many years down the road.
0: Yeah, well, I think it goes back to the you know conventional wisdom and the you know talking heads and money magazines and uh, also the employer matches. And, and with the elimination of pension plans, the 401k really is the pillar of, of retirement income. There's a behavioral finance element to this in that if there's an account that's restricted, in other words, you have to pay a penalty on to take early withdrawals and all that stuff, that little barrier actually stops people from raiding their 401ks and their IRAs. There's a psychology to having money into an account that you, you can't touch or that you'll get penalized for touching. And and so that's the other reason most people end up with all of their money in 401ks is because oh, that savings account, that brokerage account, you know, when you you really need that new pizza oven, uh, it, it's, it's easier to rate those funds <laughs> than it is to get, you know, you know take a loan from a 401k or pay the penalty on an IRA. So all that to say those who are in their like I said late mid to late 50s, maybe early 60s, they've got 5 to 10 years worth of contributions to make. Let's just assume that someone in that category has a half a million dollars in their 401k. You know, so they've been contributing aggressively, that it's grown, they've 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 been diligent, they've got Well, if you are 55 and they are going to extend the required minimum distribution age to 75, that's 20 years. If you recall in a previous episode, we talked about rules of thumb and how long it takes your money to double. Well, if you get traditional stock market-like returns, you have two to three doublings between age 55 and 75. Well, a half a million dollars doubles once, that becomes a million. And if it doubles twice, it becomes two million. And if it were to double a third time, that would, you know, that would be $4 million that you could have in a retirement account. Well, if you get to age 75 and you've continued to contribute and let that compounding take place, and you've got seven figures or multiple seven figures in a 401k or retirement account, and it's not not unlikely for that to happen now, uh, you've lost control of the tax calculation. You're now compelled to take out six-figure or maybe even multi-six-figure distributions from your IRA, and it doesn't really matter what you do. You have just automatically put yourself into a higher tax bracket.
1: Interesting. So a lot of people, I'm sure, are hearing this and going, well, what's the alternative, Brian? I mean, if 401ks have all of these problems, do we have other places to turn to? I mean, what about the employer match? I mean, isn't that still worth contributing to 401ks and utilizing that platform?
0: Oh, no. So absolutely. I don't want to categorically say 401ks are bad, but another recent development that I've been having a lot of conversations with clients who are, are still in their earnings years, and a new option that has been added to most 401ks is the Roth 401k. Okay, so if we say we don't want to contribute to the traditional 401k, well, your other option then is just to realize that income and save it in a brokerage account. Well, that that's fine. That's good because you can get very cost-efficient, tax-deferred, exchange traded funds, you can buy and hold and and you can actually get tax deferral outside of your 401k by by just buying and holding and then get the more preferential long-term capital gains tax rates, preferential dividend rates on those things. So that's one option. But if you're going to do that, you're still going to be taxed on that money. So what I'm suggesting people do is if you're going to limit the traditional a 401k contribution, but don't want to build up regular brokerage savings, explore the Roth 401k. See if your employer plan allows for you to make your contribution to a Roth category. And if you do that, it's tax-wise today, it's like realizing the income and putting it in a brokerage account, which I would advocate having this diversified mix of account structures when you get to retirement anyway. But by contributing to the Roth 401k, you will still qualify for the employer match. Now the employer match will go to the traditional tax deferred category when you can't really control or change that, but at least you still get the deduction and you begin to open up this window where you can put money into a tax free bucket for the future. And if you're earning at a higher income level or you and a spouse have combined incomes that put you out of the eligibility for a regular Roth contribution, those income limits don't exist for Roth 401k contributions. So you can put the entire 19000 or if you're over 50, 20, uh, $25,000 with the catch-up provision back into the Roth 401k. So you've got a period of maybe 5, 10, 15 years where you could pump $25,000 per year into a Roth bucket or tax structure, and if you mix that with the existing 401k tax-deferred bucket that you have, now you're building up a tax-free bucket, and then you've got brokerage accounts outside of that, you should get to a point where you have diversified your tax exposure. Okay, so Just like you would diversify your investment, you know, put all your eggs in one basket, you're actually building up a mix of tax structures so that you have the flexibility at retirement to pick which bucket you're going to pull from at at whatever point in retirement it makes sense. That way, you don't fall trapped to these uh, required minimum distribution rules if you need a lump sum of cash, if it's better to get a certain type of dividend, You, we, we don't know what tax rates are going to be in the future. I mean, to be fair, I, I can't predict for sure what the tax rates will be in the future. However, given that they've changed multiple times over the last 40 years, they're probably going to change multiple times over the next 30 or 40. It makes sense to have this mix of tax exposures, just like you would have a mix of stocks or stocks, bonds, real estate, cash. It, it, it's the same concept. And that way, whatever comes tomorrow, you're actually prepared because you, you have this this mixture and the, the ability to choose where you're going to get your money in the future.
1: That Roth 401k, I know that uh, my wife has the Roth 403b option, similar, same kind of thing. Yes. And yeah, it's like a souped up Roth IRA, because of the, you know, there's no cap on what you're able to, uh, well, the cap is much higher on what you're able to contribute.
0: Well, there's no cap on how much income you can earn and still mm-hmm. put money into that tax-free bucket. There is a cap of, like I said, 19,000 if you're under right. 50 and, and 25,000 if you're over 50. But uh, yeah, you get the employer match and you're you're putting money into a category that, that most people are sorely lacking. Yeah, I think it just just makes sense to look at all the way around. Now, that said, this is going to vary by what— And it it could change, right? (laughs) We don't know what the future rules will hold. Oh, I I, I can just about guarantee it will change. But depending on what your income tax bracket is today, what you think it's going to be, how long you're going to—a lot of people are working longer. A lot of people have businesses that will continue to spit out money. A lot of people are taking part-time jobs in retirement. So all of this needs to be put into the context of your specific situation, to be fair. But just wanted to highlight some of what's out there, what has been researched, what people are saying, and just make sure people are even aware that it could be a problem.
1: Sounds like just how you want to diversify investments. We also want to diversify different tax exposures.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about it.
1: Very good. Well, what can people do if they feel like maybe they are uh, exposed to some of these tax traps in a 401k specifically, like we've talked about on today's show? Do you help uncover these and make sure people patch up these different traps that are lying in their portfolios? How does that work inside the process?
0: Sure. If you have uh, listened to the episode and think some of this may apply to you, you have a couple of options. You can go to livingworth.com and you can click the Let's Get Started button right on the home page, and that will take you to our Retirement Mindset Scorecard, and that gives us a good indication of what areas or categories of uh, topics we might be able to help you with. And uh, if you prefer to get straight to me, uh, you can scroll down and we've got a link to my calendar. You can click the book a call button and actually schedule a 15-minute call, and we can just discuss whether the topics today mesh with your current situation And if you schedule a call, pick the 15 minute option, and we can just do a quick call and get it acclimated and, and introduced.
1: And we'll put the links in the description of today's show, so it's easy for you to access those different resources. But again, it's as easy as going to livingworth.com, and you can find access to everything right there on the homepage. You can certainly also call the old fashioned way, as we like to affectionately call it here on the show, 706-451-9800 is the number. That's 706-451-9800. 9800. If you're new to the show and new to learning about Brian and the team at Livingworth Wealth Advisors, it's important to know that Brian himself has more than 2 decades of experience in the financial services industry and has been a practicing certified financial planner since 2013. He's the co-author of the book Diffuse: 7 Steps to Protecting Your 401k from the ticking tax time bomb. And again, go to livingworth.com to access all the great resources we talked about on today's show or give a call to 706-451-9800. Brian, I'm looking forward to more great stories of the good pizzas you're cooking up there on the the new oven and uh, looking forward to chatting with you again on the next episode.
0: Well, the good news is if you can't make it down to Greensboro for a pizza, this new oven is portable and I may bring it to you oh there you go i like that uh, i like the sound of that maybe take the make
1: the dough rise show on the road there you go <laughs> and cook them out of the first, back of my land cruiser first stop walter's house all right done <laughs> awesome thanks brian we appreciate your help on the show today and thank you for tuning in and listening to make the dough rise for brian i walter we'll talk to you next time thanks walter
0: Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team. Just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise.
1: Investment advisory service is offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.